Welcome to our Family and Community Health Podcast, where we co-create time and space that facilitates generative, hopeful, and solution-based conversations. Just Us strives to elevate really real topics about sexual and reproductive health by sharing stories, best practices, and lessons learned. We hope that we learn and grow together in order to take care of ourselves and each other so that we can all live our healthiest lives. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Just Us for Birth and Beyond. I am Susie Ann Dixon, your host for today, and I'm so excited to have a team from Chapel Hill, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, to talk about the North Carolina Maternal Mental Health Matters Program. We conducted a need survey for our providers of prenatal care in Western um, North Carolina a year ago, and mental health was the one of the very number one needs that was expressed by our uh, providers of prenatal care and postpartum care in the more rural areas uh, of our region. And so coincidentally, there have been resources that have been developing over the past year or two statewide, and we want to make sure that all of our providers are aware of these amazing resources. As we know, as providers of care for people who are pregnant or uh, recently birthed, mental health is one of the most important medical complications that can come up during this perinatal period. We know that it affects about one in seven women, uh, depression, anxiety, bipolar disease. The consequences can be just really devastating if it is not recognized and appropriately managed. I'd like to just take a moment to let each of you introduce yourselves before we get started. Hi, my name is Karen Burns. I'm a social worker. I work in um, UNC's perinatal psychiatry program, and I'm the program manager for and see maternal mental health matters. Yeah. It's, hi, my name is Karen Saxer. I'm a certified nurse midwife. I work uh, now at UNC Maternal Fetal Medicine and also work on a part-time basis for the NC Matters grant. Hi, I'm uh, Dr. Mary Kimmel and I am a psychiatrist at University of North Carolina Chapel Hill and I'm also adjunct faculty at Mayhack. And I specialize in treating pregnant and postpartum women and meeting, helping them figure out their mental health needs and supporting their mental health needs. Um, and I am also the uh, director of the perinatal psychiatry program at UNC and then the medical director of NC Matters. So the, Karen, why don't we start with you, Karen Burns. Um, can you just tell us a little bit more about the North Carolina Matters program? Sure. So NC Matters is a statewide perinatal psychiatric access program. We are one of seven, North Carolina is one of seven states that received funding from HRSA in 2019 to launch one of these programs. We're modeled after MCPAP for Moms, which is kind of the the flagship perinatal psychiatric access program in Massachusetts. And it's um, a funded collaboration between the Women's Health Branch of NC's uh, Department of Health and Human Services, UNC's and Duke's respective psychiatry programs. Our goal is to facilitate access to timely mental health services for pregnant and postpartum people across North Carolina, specifically those who are have lower access due to living in more rural areas or due to Medicaid um, coverage or other insurance coverage. So how long has the program been going on and how long does the funding last for it? We launched in 2019. Um, It's a five-year grant under HRSA. So we have our our first grant from HRSA will end in 2023, but we we have already 
secured some um, expansion funding from SAMHSA um, in partnership with Duke and their pediatric access program. And we are hopeful that we will have the opportunity to reapply for additional funds in 2023, in addition to other kind of sustainability activities that we're feverishly working on. So we, we think we'll be around. And can you just tell us briefly some of the successes and the impacts that the program has had so far across the state? Sure. So we are kind of day-to-day operation. We do a lot of trainer education and just make a lot of training content on perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and perinatal mental health. But our day-to-day service that's best known as our consultation line. So that's a phone line that's available Monday through Friday, eight to five. And we take phone calls across the state from any healthcare professionals with any license or background who have a question about how to support the mental health needs of their pregnant or postpartum patient. So for the consult service, we've taken calls from over 55 counties in North Carolina, and we've served around 950 patients through the line. In addition, we've trained somewhere in the thousands of healthcare professionals across the state on topics related to perinatal mood. Our consult service has supported about 50% of the calls are on behalf of pregnant patients and the other half, you know, postpartum. About 40% of our calls are on behalf of patients who are covered under Medicaid And about a quarter of our calls are from providers who are not prescribers. So we work with any any healthcare professional, whether they can prescribe medication or not. And so you would accept a call, a consult call for someone during the postpartum period up to 12 months after delivery? Yeah, we say, you know, the postpartum period is considered to be one year after delivery, although we're a bit liberal with that. We take calls from people who are going to preconception visits. So we take preconception patients, we take We take calls from providers who are working with folks getting fertility services, fertility treatment, people who are struggling with fetal loss. So we're we're pretty liberal with the the pregnancy and postpartum categories. I would just add that we also make sure that we, uh, you know, if, if if a woman is breastfeeding, you know, beyond a year, we are working with Duke and some of our child and adolescent psychiatrists at UNC and at Duke to think about kind of the zero to three period as well of supporting parent and child. So, um, so we're, you know, we are very liberal in kind of making sure people get the the support they need. That's wonderful. Um, I'll just put in a quick plug to make sure our listeners all realize that North Carolina Medicaid has extended coverage for full Medicaid for the first 12 months after a patient delivers, um, which we are all rejoicing in our corner of the woods for sure. Well, let's just jump right in. I think Karen Saxer is prepared to present a mock provider-to-provider consultation call just to give our listeners an idea of how this works. So I'll let you all start with that. Yeah. Hi. So this is Karen Saxer. And I what I would do if I were seeing a patient in the postpartum visit is I would pick up the phone and call NC Matters, and then they would listen to what I was hoping to get and then connect me with one of the mental health specialists. I'm just going to present as if Mary and I are now connected and we're getting ready to discuss the patient case. So hi, Mary. Hey, thank you for calling. Yeah. So um, today I'm calling about a 24-year-old Gravita 3 Para 2. She had a baby three weeks ago. The baby had a a known fetal cardiac anomaly and is going to be undergoing surgery soon. And mom reported today at her postpartum visit that she's feeling super anxious about the about the upcoming surgery. We did start her on 75. Well, we started her on 50 of Zoloft and then we bumped up to 75 around 28 weeks. And now she's just saying that she feels like she maybe needs a little something more. And she was telling me that 
the person that she saw prior to pregnancy to prescribe clonopin for her, for her anxiety. And so that's not my, my first choice, but I wanted to, um, to get your thoughts about what might be a good other option for her just to help her deal with this anxiety from the upcoming uh, surgery. She's, she also said that she's having a lot of trouble sleeping. I did go ahead and do the GAD7 um, and her score was 12. Her Edinburgh was, was an eight. So it sounds like she's got more anxiety, really, that that's the prominent symptom for her. And, and sometimes this is a bit counterintuitive, but with the, the antidepressants <laughs> treating the, the anxiety, but has she been on a higher dose in the past ever? I don't think that she, um, I don't think that she has, I think she maybe tried a different SSRI and it didn't work so well for her. So I think the Zoloft has been a, has been a better fit. And yeah, I was thinking about going up on that, but I wanted to also think just hear if there were some other choices that I could consider. Yeah, I would definitely talk with her about increasing it. And, And of course, sometimes when we increase it, kind of initially, actually, anxiety can be bumped up a bit, but then it will actually help the anxiety and actually help her sleep better. And, but in the meantime, I think you're, you're reasonable to be thinking about the, the benzodiazepines and the, you know, which that group of medicines with the clonopin. I think it's, it is a complex, <laughs> it's a, always a complex decision for me, because in one way, you know, they, they are sort of go-to medicines for short-term anxiety. And in a situation like this, where she, her baby's in the NICU, you know, this is really the, the time that she can get some sleep while, you know, to kind of shore up and, and be ready, you know, for when the baby comes home and things like that, we want to try to help her kind of, you know, get through this period. I think the worry we always have is whether the clonopin then becomes a longer-term medicine and they're, they're really not effective long-term treatments of anxiety. And in, some ways they can get in the way of people. They kind of teach us that if we take this medicine, that will just decrease our anxiety, right? And so we want to help people kind of start to understand it's, you know, of course you have anxieties and of course, you know, your stress system is trying to protect you and the baby. And and of course, sometimes it's overdoing it. Like at the, you know, at nighttime when you're at home and the baby's, you know, under good care in the NICU, there's not a lot, you, you know, that anxiety doesn't really help you in any way, but, you know, helping her kind of navigate that and, and move through that. And so kind of finding that balance of if it's spiraling too much, we do need to get you to get sleep because, you know, eventually, you know, not sleeping will actually make all this worse. But also I think then kind of the idea that we don't want her to think that it's just that she need, you know, she has, we have to make her sleep. Um, And if we think about our sleep, we don't make ourselves sleep, you know? And so we, we just have to kind of try to have these things that help us find calm and relax. And, you know, and so there may be some other tools that we can help you give her to help navigate those, those night times where she's really anxious and be able to know that she eventually will sleep. Um, but I, I also think it's reasonable if she's really swirling and the thoughts are just swirling and she can't use those other tools. Sometimes we do use, you know, for short term, if she understands it's for short term. I think the the good things to know, do you happen to know the other person, how long she, t- how long they prescribed it for her? No, she didn't. She didn't share that with me. And I guess the one other piece I forgot to tell you is that she is pumping um, breast milk and, um, and wants to, to breastfeed too. 
Good. Okay. That's a very important thing to think about. And, and clonopin's a little bit of a longer half-life. So, you know, we have to say the medic, some of the medication is getting in and we, you know, want to monitor, monitor her ability to rest and her well-being is also important. So we're balancing that with any medication. I would want to get some additional information from her of how long she took the clonopin in the past. You know, if, if she had become dependent on it and had taken it for a very long time, I think that's when I would really want to try to help her think about different ways to manage anxiety. But if it was really a short-term thing, then it's that's some evidence that she could probably use that again. Some other things you could you know, try with her. So we sometimes use hydroxyzine, you know, similar to Benadryl. Um, and that really is an antihistamine. So you're, you're really just kind of helping them get a little bit calmed down. So I think long-term also the same concept of, you know, you want, you don't want people to just try to like push down their anxiety. You know, you want to help her like, you know, validate that of course she's anxious and, and that she'll get through this and help her build confidence in that. Um, and then one other thing that we, we tend to like to use is trazodone. Um, which is an antidepressant. It's not a great antidepressant, particularly at low doses. Um, you need it to be, in fact, if you're needing to get to higher doses, then it's not acting for sleep. It's then it's starting to act like an antidepressant. But when you're using about 25 or 50 every, you know, kind of as needed, sometimes that can also be helpful because its side effect is to make people sleepy. Okay. Yeah. Well, that gives me a lot of great options. I'll go back and um, talk those over with her and kind of see what, what she thinks would be best fit. And I'll get a little bit more information about her, her past clonopin use. And then I'll give you a call back if I have any further follow-up questions. Please thank you do. so much yeah. for your help. This yeah. has been really great. Yeah. Thank you for calling and, and please do call if we need to rethink things. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you a great example of provider to provider phone call for consultation. Karen Sexer, how do you feel like the NC Matters program has helped improve patient care for OB settings across the state? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I've used the line a lot. And one of the things that I really like about it is I feel like through prenatal care, I really get to know um, the patients that I'm seeing really well. And I feel like we've already developed, you know, a strong trusting relationship in most cases. And so I really like the idea that I'm able to go out and seek some expert consultation and then be able to bring it back because I feel like I know the patient really well and I know what else she has going on in her life. And I feel like that that strong bond that we already have is such a great way to introduce mental health care. Also, I found it really helpful. Sometimes I don't, don't know like what what exactly I'm looking at or kind of teasing out what are the symptoms that are more important to pay attention. And um, NC Matters has been really great at helping me figure out which screening tools to use. I had one patient who was really pretty disorganized and it was hard to figure out like, is this bipolar? Does she have PTSD? And so um, I called NC Matters and they introduced me to the MDQ questionnaire for bipolar, which I had never used before. And then it became pretty obvious um, that what we were looking at was bipolar when we put together the screening results with kind of the clinical picture. And so I feel like I've been a midwife for a long time, but I never really felt comfortable treating people with bipolar. I would always kind of refer them out. And now I feel like I'm really developing my skills and being able to, to prescribe medications and to be able to identify that that's likely what I'm looking at with, with some good support from, um, from my mental health colleagues. So in those ways, I feel like it's been a really great learning experience for me. And um, it's so rewarding to be able to feel like you're providing good care to your patients. Speaking of screenings, are there 
tools that you would like providers to have had their patients complete prior to the call? Yeah. So NC Matters is appreciative if you've done some screenings, but it's not a requirement enabled to be able to use the line. It's fine to call even if you haven't done any, any screening tools. And like I said, sometimes they can help direct you to the ones that might be most helpful for the clinical, you know, the clinical picture that you're looking at. Yeah, I would say that if a provider is only going to do one screening tool, if they feel limited, we usually recommend the Edinburgh postpartum depression screening, the EPDS. We like that tool because it has three items on anxiety specifically. So that's kind of a nice way to see what we're looking at um, as a way of starting the conversation. We're, but any depression screener that's part of your clinical practice, we, you know, the PHQ, for example, we like the GAD-7 for anxiety. Again, it gives you kind of a more complete picture of anxiety across the different subtypes. The MDQ is very helpful for bipolar if there's a suspicion of that. You know, across other kind of domains, we recommend the, the modified five P's for substance use. But again, any substance use screening tool that is already part of your clinical practice is fine. We like the HARC for intimate partner violence. ACEs is very helpful there. I mean, you have a, you have a whole menu at your disposal. So whatever your practice is already using is, is fine with us. I was going to say, we also recommend screening during prenatal visits, not every prenatal visit, but we, we recommend screening at least a few times across the prenatal care timeline, and then of course, postpartum. And is there a kind of a a resource for providers online where all of these screening tools live for easy access? Yeah. So our website is ncmatters.org and you'll find, if you go to our website, a provider resources tab, and you can find our provider toolkit and a bunch of other supplemental videos and documents that have screening tools, best practices. Mary, how do you feel that the NC Matters program supports equity in the area of maternal mental health? Yeah, we're really fortunate because these programs recognize that, you know, part of our charge is really to take care of patients who wouldn't have access otherwise and help providers who are already doing that work, give them support, you know, are able to do this regardless of insurance coverage. You know, we, even patients who have no insurance, we are able to really with the virtual care environment and the fact that we are, we're, and we're not taking over care because we still want that person to have that local kind of medical home. And we're, so we're really trying to help support that as well, but because of virtual care, for example, for our assessments, we can do that from anywhere. And, you know, if some, if a patient's having trouble, you know, so we definitely do the virtual assessments with patients in their home, which can make things easier for them in terms of childcare and barriers like that. But also, you know, if their internet access is poor, then, you know, we're happy to work with having them come to the local clinic and we can do a virtual visit with them. And, And also, you know, obviously the phone call aspect allows us to work with providers all over the state. You know, I also think our our charge is really to make sure we're meeting the needs of, of individuals in, in rural areas that may are not going to have access to, you know, the number of psychiatrists that are needed and therapists that are needed. And then finally, we really want to make sure that, you know, mental health is is all of us. And I think it's really important to remember that. And so we want to make sure that every person has access to care and that, um, and so that includes, you know, barriers such as language differences. And so do you have bilingual Spanish English providers? And so um, we, we also want to be able to overcome some of that barrier too. Great. Karen, do you have one just piece of advice related to this work for other OB providers? 
Yeah, I guess my piece of advice would be to try the line. I think it's just been such a great resource. And I feel like you can really make a big difference for patients. We know from research that 50 to 70% of patients who are prescribed a medication or given some kind of mental health care need some kind of adjustment or change. And so I feel like it's a much stronger, you're providing much better care for the patient because when you just refer for a one-time consult for psychiatry, like I said, chances are that that whatever they've come up with in that one visit isn't going to be the final solution, that there's going to be need, need to be tweaks and changes. And so when you remain engaged and you're the, the provider that the patient trusts and knows, and, and you know, they'll reach out to you if things aren't working because you have that relationship, I feel like you really can come out of that with a, with a strong sense of like having provided really high quality care for the patient because you're walking with them on the journey and you're, you know, what else they have going on in their life. And you know, whether, you know, this or that treatment is going to work for them based on whatever other barriers they have to getting mental care. And so I, I feel like it can be a really satisfying and high quality experience for both the provider and the patient. The other thing that I really like about using the line is that psychiatric providers are able to help you figure out too when the patient might need a higher level of care. So I've had some patients where we've kind of started down one path and then, you know, something else emerged that was ended up being a little bit more complex and kind of out of my comfort range as far as what I felt comfortable providing. And then I was able to help that provider through the NC Matters line, get connected with, you know, with a psychiatric consultation to maybe provide some diagnostic clarity or kind of fine tune the the medication plan for, for somebody who has a little bit more of a complex picture. So that's also been great because you want to make sure that your patient's getting the care that they need. And it was, it was really great to be able to connect those patients to higher levels of care quickly and efficiently when they needed that. Mary, do you have any other bits of advice for our listeners? Yeah, I would say this, I'm just really appreciative of the work that everyone is doing to try to meet the mental health needs. I know um, with the pandemic, we recognize that's even higher, the amount of stress and anxiety. And as I said, I, I really, everyone has a mental health need or a mental, really needs a mental wellness plan. As Karen was saying, it's just we're so appreciative to be able to support you all doing this work and, and helping patients, you know, develop their mental wellness plans. And, and during pregnancy and postpartum is such a critical time when they can create this now and it can impact them and their families going forward. And I, you know, and I think that trickles out to communities too. And so we want to, you know, help you, you know, with the screening part and it's not just using the screeners, but we want to help you have those conversations where you are kind of helping us. Mental health is hard to talk about and it being able to have us all be more comfortable talking about it and, and thinking about the different ways that the different aspects that help and, and certainly identifying then people who need a greater amount of support and, and making sure these are medical conditions and making sure that we're treating them as, you know, treating the medical conditions of depression, you know, certain anxiety disorders, mood disorders, such as bipolar disorder, and being able to make sure that we're getting people the care they need. So just really happy that we can keep working together on this and appreciative that you've invited us to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I feel like this is such a fantastic model of care, really focusing on the providers that are day-to-day seeing patients and developing these relationships. And we all know that 20% of folks that have uh, problems with depression or anxiety are not going to bring it up. Only 20% of people with these problems are going to bring it up on their own. And so the, the repetitive screening and asking questions in a really supportive, well-known environment 
you will uncover things over time that patients were uncomfortable, you know, airing before for many reasons. I think there's, there's a feeling that there's not much to be done about it, that it's just to be expected during pregnancy and the postpartum period, and that maybe previous experiences were not fruitful in mental health care, and there's just an inaccessible, inaccessibility problem. And also that there may be repercussions related to parenting if, if a patient admits that they're having struggles. And so I, I love this collaborative care model and really empowering the provider and continuing that relationship. And I hope that this is a model that we could apply to other specialty care needs related to pregnancy care, maternal fetal medicine visits. We, we are also adept at telehealth now because of COVID. Um, I feel like this is a, you know, a very successful model that could be applied to other areas as well. So thank you all so much. We're really, really appreciative for your time today. Karen Burns, do you want to just wrap up with a few resources for our listeners that will be fingertips? And we can also put these on our on our notes on our webpage as well. Sure. Um, if you go to our website, ncmatters.org, you can find, as I said, under our resources tab, you can find our provider toolkit. You can find some videos, links to videos we've posted on YouTube, just some informational videos that get into more details about the services that NC Matters offers. We've also created quite a bit of training content that exists online, um, including on the Mayhek website. We did webinars on anxiety and attachment. So those are linked through our website to get to those. We also have trainings on the Greensboro AHEC website at AHEC Connect for North Carolina providers for CME. I'd also like to highlight the Attachment Network of North Carolina. You can find us online at attachmentnetworknc.org. And this is a professional multidisciplinary group of folks that are interested in serving families, maternal mental health, infant mental health, the dyad, basically serving families using an attachment-based lens. We meet virtually every other month on um, the third Friday at one o'clock. And anybody's welcome. We have featured speakers. We do breakout sessions and networking, and it's it's free to attend. So you can find registration info, all of our archived meetings and resources at attachmentnetworknc.org. Sorry, this is Karen Sachs. So just one other thing I want to throw out is that we are able to come out and do trainings at your clinical practice, or if you have a, a professional association that you are part of that would maybe benefit from some training, we're happy to do that. Um, Karen Burns and I have done something as short as like a 10 minute presentation at a 7am grand rounds kind of setting. We've um, presented at chapter meetings. We've gone to, you know, clinical um, practices and just done a, a quick brush up on whatever area of mental health they might want some help with. So that's also available to have kind of a tailored training for whatever setting that you, that you work in or, or might participate in. And I think we haven't stated the actual number for the hotline yet. It is 919-681-2909, extension two. So I'll mention that we, we share a phone line with NCPAL, which is the statewide pediatric access line. So if you also see pediatric patients and you have, you know, kind of, they offer the same services that we do in terms of psychiatric consultations. So 919-681-2909, you press one for peds and two for perinatal. That's great. Thanks again for being here today to spread the word about this really successful and important program. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, this conversation doesn't have to stay between just us. Subscribe, leave us five stars, and share this with your network so more people can find the podcast.